You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. today comes from Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome to our final talk in the series, Faith in the Dark. In this series, we've been focusing on Hebrews chapter 11 and this early section of chapter 12. Now, earlier on in the book of Hebrews, the first 10 chapters, the author's been building a case for how great Jesus is. You could summarize it as how good is Jesus? And then in chapter 11, the author begins this challenge to follow Jesus. And the way that challenge begins is that the author talks to us about all these different Old Testament characters, people who came before Jesus, and how they were looking forward to a time that God was going to do something great. They didn't know exactly what God was going to do or how he was going to do it, but they were looking forward to God doing something great in the future. And then the author says, well, God's already done that great thing. And that is to send Jesus. And we, as the readers, get to look back and go, wow, how great is Jesus? Look at that great thing God's done. And now, as we come into these verses that we're looking at today, and we've had in our Bible reading, at the start of chapter 12, we get to see this challenge really delivered. This challenge, actually, that uh, is sort of the high point, potentially, of the whole book of Hebrews, to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the whole focus of the book of Hebrews, and it's certainly the focus of our teaching and our passage today. Now, the author uses a sporting illustration to help us with this challenge to follow Jesus. Now, as a sporting fan myself, I know I'm at risk of overusing sporting illustrations in my talks, uh, but I feel totally free to use one today because it's actually what the biblical author uses Uh, in the passage. So picture an Olympic stadium. We were due to have the Olympics this year. They've been pushed back to next year. Hopefully that will happen. We'll see. Uh, But picture an Olympic stadium and all those witnesses, those Old Testament characters that we've had mentioned in chapter 11 and chapter 12, think of them as like the spectators. They're sitting in the stands ready to watch the events unfold. And then the Christians the followers of Jesus, so if you're a follower of Jesus like me, uh, then you are one of the athletes ready to compete. And then you might be going, okay, what type of event are we thinking of in this illustration for following Jesus? Uh, And it's a race. That's what the author talks about. 
And you go, okay, but what type of race? Because there's different sorts and there's different types of, a, of runners that run in the different types of race. You know, the sprinters tend to be pretty big looking people. You know, they're very buff. They've got a lot, lot you know, they obviously hit the gym a lot, um, very pumped up, huge muscles. You know, people who look a little bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they tend to show off a lot. You know, when, when they win the race, because uh, they haven't been doing a lot of work, really, they've only been running for like 10 to 40 seconds, really, uh, they've still got a lot of energy, so they tend to show off a lot. They get up into the, you know, the crowd, they're flexing a lot, uh, and they tend to you know, just have heaps of time and energy to show off and celebrate their win. Whereas the long-distance runners, they're quite different. They don't have time to hit the gym and be pumping themselves up and getting heavier with all that muscle. Because they've got to travel so, many so much distance, they don't want to be carrying all that extra weight. So they tend to be leaner looking people. And when they finish their race, they, uh, they've been running for a long time, often for hours on end. And so while they still celebrate, it tends to be a much more humble celebration, a whole lot less showing off going on. And so we might go, well, are we sprinters in this race uh, that the author's talking about, or are we long distance runners? And the author definitely encourages us to think about the Christian life as more like a long distance race. And the reason that we think about that is what it says here in verse one of chapter 12, here in Hebrews where they say, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so that idea of perseverance, you know, sticking at it, overcoming challenges. Um, you know, when you get tired, you need to keep going. Uh, and if you've, if, if you've run in a long distance race, you'll know the idea of perseverance is really important to finishing the race. So don't think about a sprint. Think about a long distance race as we hold this image or this analogy of the Christian life being like a race. Now, of course, if it's going to be a long distance race, we need to make sure we're not carrying any unnecessary weight or baggage with us and that we're not getting tied up or held back in any way because that's going to really slow us down. And so the author then says, well, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, as I was reading through this um, in preparation for the talk, my mind kept going to a fictional story called The Martian. Now, this is both a book and a movie, both of which I'd highly recommend, very entertaining. The movie stars Matt Damon. And there's this section, without spoiling a whole lot of the story, there's this section in the story where they need to launch a spaceship from the surface of Mars up to meet another spaceship up in space but they need to do it at a certain speed in order for this meeting to happen properly. So the spaceship needs to be traveling really fast. If it's not going fast enough, then the mission will be a failure. And so they need to make the spaceship as light as possible in order for that to happen. If it's too heavy, it'll be going too slow and it won't make it. So they get onto the spaceship and they just start chucking out the door anything that's gonna weigh this spaceship down. They start by chucking off all the plates and the cutlery, <laughs> um, all that sort of stuff. Then they start chucking off all the manuals for the computers. Then they start chucking off some of the computers that they're not gonna need. Then they start chucking out the chairs 
And eventually they go, you know what? We don't even need the windows for this thing. We'll just use the air inside our spacesuits so the windows get chucked out. Anything that is not necessary for this short journey that's going to weigh them down, they just chuck it out. And it got me thinking, um, well, if, if life as a Christian is like this long distance race, we don't want to be weighed down. We want to chuck off anything that's going to slow us down, that's going to hinder our progress. And the author of Hebrews is saying the main thing that's going to slow us down is sin. That's the thing that's going to hinder our life, our relationship with Jesus. All types of sin, not any particular category or any specific sin, all sin is going to do that. And in fact, if you were to read the whole book of Hebrews from beginning to end, and I'd recommend that, maybe that could be a good summer reading project for you, um, you'd actually get a bit of a, a brief history of sin, uh, not like a detailed analysis, but a good overview of it. And you'd see the different ways that people have ignored and rejected God and his ways. And in fact, if, if you're not particularly familiar with this idea of sin, you've probably heard the word and know that it's probably a negative word. But if you're not familiar with it beyond that, that can be a helpful way to think about sin, that it's the ways we humans ignore and reject God and his ways. Um, so we can, so that's, that's what sin does. It, it hinders our relationship with God when we ignore and reject him. And we can so easily just get tangled up in sin. It's like Christmas lights, you know. No matter how well you pack them, how neatly you pack them in the box uh, in January, when you bring them out of the box at the start of December, they're always tangled. Or no matter how neatly and orderly you sort of organise the cords behind your computer desk or your TV cabinet, next time you check, they're just always going to look like this. <laughs> Sorry. That they tangled, got tangled up on the chair I had them sitting on. <laughs> you know, you just lose track of them for a moment and they just suddenly there's chaos and you get, they all get tangled up. And this is the way sin can work. Uh, if we're not paying attention to it, if we're not alert to sin, then it can become a big problem in our life very quickly. Now, this year, a lot of us have probably used social media more than we have ever in our lives before. Um, and so what can social media is a good example of how we can quickly get tangled up in sin. Because what can happen is that someone will post a troll comment on a social media platform. So this is Facebook um, or YouTube, which you're watching on right now. A troll comment is where they're trying to start a fight. They're not interested in a helpful to and fro. They just want people to just start having an argument and get nasty. And you know this. You know that they just want people to get angry and they're starting a fight. But what they've said is just so outrageous. You feel like you just have to respond. But you think, I can stay above it. I'm not going to get dragged down into the bitterness and into the revenge commenting and into the rage of it all. I'll, I'll, I'll sit above all that. And so you do respond. And then 10 comments to and fro later, you're thinking, 
I wonder where that person lives because if I, know, if I can just track them down, I will go around to their place and punch them in the face. And then you go, oh, no, I've been dragged into it. I've been sucked down into it and I'm part of it. And I'm lying awake just angry, thinking about how much I want to just do that person in. And you have been brought into it and you're thinking all sorts of sinful thoughts. And if you're given the opportunity, you would sin <laughs> directly at that person. It can just entangle us and drag us in. Now, maybe social media is not your weak point. Maybe you manage to just avoid it completely, or if you do use it, maybe you're able to control yourself. But we all have our weak points. Maybe for you, it's an addiction. Maybe you're addicted to a substance or one of those um, very addictive behaviors like gambling or porn, um, porn use. Um, but all sin is addictive in one way or another. And if we let our guard down, then we can so easily just get drawn into it, get tangled up in it, and then we go, well, I'm back in. How did that happen? All sin weighs us down, trips us up, and makes it difficult to follow Jesus. And that's why the author is urging us to chuck it all off and to make sure that we don't get tangled up in it. Think of it like this. When sin knocks at the door, don't even open it a crack. Keep that door firmly closed. And the author does give us a good way to do this in these verses, and these verses are actually helpful in the way to think about this. So let's have a look at them in a bit of detail. Uh, halfway through verse 1, we read this. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So this idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus is clear in the sense that we're, we're looking at Jesus, we're looking to him, think of him as the finish line in the race. That's where we want to keep our eyes. But it's also got this idea of not getting distracted and looking around at other things. I'm even reminded of that story we're often told as kids of um, the tortoise and the hare, uh, where the hare is clearly much faster than the tortoise but gets distracted in the race along the way, distracted by all these other things and ends up losing the race because they're not focused on the finish line. And so you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus and not get distracted by all these other things that can pull us away from following Jesus. Uh, that's clear in the English, but in the original language, the emphasis on not getting distracted is actually stronger. But then there's this idea of Jesus being the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. A pioneer is someone who starts things, and a perfecter is someone who finishes things. Now, that's an interesting thing to think about, because very, very rarely is the pioneer of something also the perfecter of something. Think about sea travel. You know, the first person to ever invent a boat that could travel on the sea did that thousands of years ago. And yet you could argue that sea travel still hasn't been perfected, that there's still people inventing safer boats, better boats, faster boats that can travel in the ocean today. So it's very, very rare. I couldn't think of one example where something has been perfected by the same person who pioneered it. And yet what the author's saying here is that when it comes to faith in God, that Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter. And again, that Jesus is the best. This is a theme throughout the entire book of Hebrews. So, of course, you would fix your eyes on Jesus. Who else would you fix your eyes on? He's the very best person to focus on when it comes to living a life of faith. Of course, you would focus on him. 
don't focus on anything else. It's not worth paying attention to anything or anyone else. He would, of course, be our priority. Then the author focuses on Jesus' death on the cross as another way to help us persevere in this race. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, sometimes we think of the cross as a tragedy because we think, well, what a horrible way to die. You know, uh, it was violent. Uh, you know, the crowd treating him so badly. Jesus was innocent of the crimes that he was executed for. Um, of course, we would never want to die that way. Um, the pain that he was in physically and emotionally and spiritually. And, and at one level, Jesus didn't want to do that because of all those reasons. But at another level, he was glad to do it because of what it achieved. And it's not a tragedy, it's actually a triumph. Because what, the what Jesus' death on the cross and then his resurrection achieved for us was this incredible demonstration of God's grace. God's grace is his um, love shown for us, his uh, undeserved, unearned love, in the sense that God loves us even though we, we don't deserve it. It's not like we've scored enough points where we finally go, all right, God, we've done enough now, you need to love us. You know, we've proven ourselves to you. Now it's time for you to love us. No, he loves us because he does. No matter how many times we've stuffed up, no matter how many times we've ignored him and rejected him, he loves us. And that's proven through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. And so it's a triumph. The cross is a triumph. And then when we look at verse 3 of chapter 12, we read this. Consider him, this consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so much that they executed him in a horrible, violent way, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So as we're seeking to persevere in this long-distance race, we're to consider Jesus, consider his death on the cross, consider that he's now sitting in this position of authority over our lives and over the entire universe, sitting at the right hand of God. Consider the grace that he brought into the world through his sacrificial death. When we consider these things, that's going to help us to persevere. You know, when times are tough, considering Jesus, fixing our eyes on him, those are the things that are going to help us to stick at it and to keep going. You know, the teaching here in Hebrews chapter 12, it's deeply profound, but it's also profoundly simple. The secret to following Jesus is to keep your focus on Jesus. You know, the secret to following Jesus is to keep your focus on Jesus like when you summarise it like that, it's a bit of a duh moment. Like, yeah, of course, of course, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, is the author insulting our intelligence here? <laughs> like, um, of course that would be, that just makes sense. But the reality is, and if you're a follower of Jesus like me, you know this, we don't always keep our focus on Jesus. We do get distracted. Sometimes I'm embarrassed about how easily I lose my focus on Jesus. 
So the author is right to remind us here at the peak of the challenge of this book in the Bible to fix our eyes on Jesus. And actually, I think one of the big reasons the author even wrote this section of the Bible 2,000 years ago was because we do lose our focus sometimes and we need to be reminded to refocus. So as we head into Christmas, and we're, if you're watching this uh, you know, on the day it's released, uh, we're only a few days away. It's interesting to compare the way our culture celebrates Christmas with the biblical story of Christmas, the, the events of Christmas. Now, to be fair, a lot of the way our culture celebrates Christmas is driven by advertising. And so uh, advertisers, they want us to buy stuff. And so the way that usually works is it's pretty glitzy, you know, it's flashy, it gets our attention, uh, and they want us to buy something, and as soon as we've bought it uh, or decided not to buy it, then they're kind of done with us and they've moved on. So it's pretty glitzy, it's pretty flashy, and it's pretty shallow. Compare that with the biblical story of Christmas and the events of Christmas, and we see that there's a lot of poverty. It's pretty grimy and dirty. Uh, it's violent at times, uh, and it's not glitzy. There's no glamour. It's, it's humble. It's very, very different. It's not shallow. It's deep. It's a very different sort of event, and if we come back to that sporting analogy, I guess the advertiser's version of Christmas is much more like a sprint. It's flashy, it's over quickly, it's showing off. And the biblical version of Christmas, the original story, is much more like a long-distance race. Uh, there's plenty of hard times, to, it's, you know, it requires to really to dig deep. And so my question for you this Christmas is, which event are you signing up for? The sprint or the long distance? And if you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus at this point, I'm going to assume you're at least intrigued, investigating it at some level. Um, we would love you to become a Christian. Uh, a, because we believe it's true. I mean, fundamentally, that's the, the best reason. Uh, we do believe that Christianity is true. And we want you to live in reality, you know, that, that we want you to, um, to live in the truth. Uh, so that's really important just to say that up front. But on top of that, we also believe that following Jesus is the best thing that you can possibly do with your life, that it is good for you, that having a relationship with Jesus is great and brings all sorts of good things to your life. But I, hopefully I've made it clear and I just want to say it again not in that sprint, you know, short-term, flashy, advertiser sort of way. It's that long-distance running sort of way. We've called this series Faith in the Dark, not Faith in the Spotlight, you know, or Faith in the... the I mean, I've got Christmas lights behind me, but not Faith, faith in the just flashy Christmas lights all the time. You know, becoming a Christian doesn't mean you suddenly uh, are immune to all the challenges of life. No. Becoming a Christian means that you have the grace of Jesus with you through all the challenges of life to help you to persevere through the ups and downs that we all face as humans. Now, if you feel like, yeah, okay, I'm in. 
I'm up for it. I'm ready to sign up for that long distance race. I'm ready to have the God who loves me to partner with me and support me in this journey. Then we would love to help you with that. Encourage you to take that first step today and just to say a prayer uh, in your own time, just to say, yep, God, I'm ready. Jesus, I'm ready to, to enter that relationship with you and to start that journey. Um, and uh, because this is digital and uh, we can't be with you in person today, uh, we'd love you to jump on our website and to hit the connect button there. And just to let us know that you've made that decision uh, and to drop us your contact details. Uh, and we'd love to get in contact with you over the summer break and talk to you about that and to talk about how we can help you in the next steps in the race. So to finish today, I'd like to pray for all of us wherever we're at in the race, uh, whether we're right at the start considering even signing up or whether we're well along the way, uh, that we can uh, you know, be taking that next step and persevering in the race that lies ahead. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming as one of us, uh, for living a life that teaches us so much about what it means to uh, love God and to love each other. Uh, thank you that we have your word uh, where so many of the stories about the way you lived and your teaching is written down for us so that we can, can learn about how to live day by day. And um, thank you for dying for us that sacrificial death which just shows us um, grace so profoundly. Thank you for rising again so that we can experience your forgiveness and your love in such a profound way and that we can now fix our eyes on you as we go through uh, the dark times and the good times of life. I pray for each of us now as we um, think about life not as a sprint, but as a, a long-distance race, as one where we're going to have to persevere, where we might get a stitch at times, uh, where we'll get a second wind at times, where sometimes we'll be running uphill, sometimes we'll be running downhill. Please just help us to take that next step this Christmas. Show us what's next in our journey with you. Right now, we ask you just give us insight into what's next in our journey with you. That's going to be different for each of us, Lord. So, um, yeah, wherever people are watching right now, we invite you to, to give us some special sense of what you'd like us to be thinking about, praying about, what actions you'd like us to be taking as we head into a new year. Thank you for loving us so deeply and profoundly. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.